Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 <laughs> you stay up here for a minute. All right. You know, Charles, I, I've been saying Charles will be a preacher someday. I think he's already there. <laughs> take this back. So if, so if I don't go up and take the mic, I'm never going to get it. So, <clears throat> And uh, Chris King is stuck in a train, uh, the guy that leads us in singing and worship. So he'll be here shortly. So he kind of changed the order. And I didn't want Charles to sing anymore. <clears throat> I, uh, can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Charles, we love your heart, and we, and we love your voice. We love your voice. So, um, so welcome. This is a full house today. Um, you know, weather's getting warmer, so we hope that when the weather gets warmer, you'll, you found a place to come to feel loved and to feel known and to be accepted and to be respected because we know you take a lot out there. And in here, we just want to come together and make this be a little oasis in a very difficult time you're in right now. None of you, you know, one of the things that comes across my mind every time is, is I look at all of you as children. I try to imagine when you were six years old and you're playing in your neighborhood with your friends and you're playing make-believe. And I don't know what you were. I was always a policeman or a fireman or a cowboy or something, you know. Didn't end up being any of those things, thank God. <laughs> but, I, but I know that, that you, this was not part of your dream, right? Something went sideways in your life. Maybe it's choices you made. Maybe it's choices that were made around you that affected you. But um, we don't want you to stay in this place of may feel like hopelessness or despair. And if we can do just a little bit to encourage you. Um, because we have a lot of new people today, just to clarify. So Chris, where's Chris? She stepped out the door. So... My wife, Chris, and I came to New York um, almost 11 years ago, and we wanted to come and start a church to work with the poor and other things, not just that. Um, and eventually, we ended up, I ended up coming on staff at the Mission, and now the Bowery, we've merged. Uh, but su on Sunday morning, even though you're in the Mission, this is not the Mission. Um, you know, if you, get, if you get kicked out of the Mission because you brought food up on the floor or something, you can still come to church, even if you're not, you can't come to the Mission. Now, if you get violent, if you hit somebody... Because it happened this morning, someone wanted to come to church and he had assaulted somebody, then they're not allowed in the building. But this is a separate thing we're doing here. Um, Chris is in here now, so everybody turn around and look at Chris. She's going to put her hand up. So um, <clears throat> uh, Chris is really the, the leader of Communitas. Um, my job with the mission is pretty big, and she and I work together, and we have um, some of our elders are here. Associate Pastor Julie, wave your, wave your hand. Um, Raluca is running PowerPoint as an elder. Um, Charles is an elder. I missed, did I leave anybody out? So we're here to serve you today, and we want you to feel, um, well, it's a little crowded today, but we want you to feel that this is a place where you can just sit back, <sighs> catch your breath, and um, maybe get some energy and some hope uh, for the days that are ahead. And we're all, we pray for you. We have a prayer box in the back. We really encourage you to fill out a prayer request. We s email them out to just the elders. We don't share it with anyone else, and we're able to pray for you all week long. We believe that God is, is, is a God of love, and he's a God who can change lives. And Charles, um, who led us this morning, you know, I, it's almost four years ago, I saw him walk in the front door. I remember that day, and he was coming off the street after 30 years of crack addiction and homelessness in the Port Authority. And I look at him up here today, and even though I'm a man of faith, I almost can't believe it. You know, it's like, Really? I preach this all the time, and then we see that. But it's not just Charles. It's many others. And I just hope that you get some hope today. 
So um, Chris is going to get, Chris King is here now, but we're going to let him settle in. Should we do that? Yeah, so I'm going to share a little something with you today, and then we're going to end the time with just some singing together, okay? So this is what I want to share with you. Um, <clears throat> I don't know who did it first, but there's these books that came out a number of years ago, and the covers were all yellow with black print. And the, the title was the same except for the first word. It would be something like Algebra for Dummies. You know, whatever for dummies. You, you know, cooking for dummies. Uh, Facebook for dummies. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, GPS for dummies. It's just basically, it's dumbing something down so that people like me can get it. It's like the shortcut, right? Well, um, anybody have a Bible? Hold your Bible up. All right, hold your Bible up. Now, in that Bible, there's a lot of stuff in there. Genesis to Revelation, 66 books. If you, if you try to read the whole thing, you would be honest. If, if you're honest, you'd say, this is complicated. Like, I don't know how to put all this together. It's, there's some things in there I don't even understand or maybe like, like, like some, of the, some of the violence that's in there. there. It's complicated. It's complicated, right? But God put some things in there for dummies like me where he could really make it simple, where you, almost, you really can't miss it. And it, if we could get that part right, maybe we wouldn't stress out about the rest of it, right? Because this is God saying to us, of all this, this is what I want you really to pay attention to. Now, I know not everybody in here is a Christian, and we're glad you're here, and we're going to be respectful of where you're at. You may have no belief. You may have another belief. But it seems like everybody, um, whatever religion even or non-religion, has respect for Jesus. Because he was an amazing person. He was an amazing teacher. And he was asked one time, for the book for dummies. Now, it doesn't actually say that, but what, what a, a leader in the law, an expert in the law came and said, he said, listen, can you just kind of tell me what is the one thing that God wants? Like, what's the bottom line? Like, don't give me all this stuff. Tell me the bottom line. And, and Jesus did, and he did it in a sentence or two sentences. He said, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't separate the two. So in the end... The Bible is a book that's to point us to a God of love who tells us to love and showed us how to love. Now, there's a couple other things in the Bible. I would give you just two examples of where God says, this is, this is me just pulling back and just giving it with a megaphone telling you how simple this is. It's not complicated. Uh, actually, I'm just going to give you one more, and this is the one I want to settle on. In the book of Micah, there's a verse um, that a lot of people know and they quote where God says, uh, he says, this is what God requires of you. So if you read that in the Bible, your ears should perk up, you should lean into it, and you could think, okay, I've read a lot of stuff I don't understand, but now he's going to tell me in one verse, here's what God's looking for. In this passage, they came to God first, and Micah, they came to the prophet, and they said, what does God want? Does he want more sacrifices? Because we're willing to do that. <coughs> in fact, he even said, would you, would, would you even like us to offer up our firstborn to you? Can you... I'm sorry, can you, can you have that, excuse me, can you have the conversation later, please? Okay, I'd rather not try to talk over you, all right? Thank you. So what does he require? He says three things. Anybody know what they are? Micah 6.8. Harry, what are they? Love justice or act justly. Love humbly. And what is it? Love mercy. And the last one, walk humbly with your God. All right, so... This is really simple. What does God require of you? Go to church 50 times a year. Say the rosary every day. Um, make sure you, no. 
Three things. To act justly, that involves how we are with other people. To love mercy, that involves in how we are with other people. And then to walk humbly with your God. And guess what? If you learn, if I learn how to walk, walk humbly with my God, he will show me how to love mercy and act justly. But I want to zero in on that middle one. Love mercy. Love mercy. It doesn't, he didn't just say be merciful. He says love mercy. I don't even know exactly how to understand that, except it means that when I get up every day of all the things I want to do, if I'm going to say I'm following God and I'm following Jesus, <coughs> that I'm going to be a man who actually goes out of my way to find ways to be merciful. Have you ever received mercy? When you receive mercy, when I've received mercy, it's extraordinary, the feeling. Because mercy means I'm about to get it because I messed up, and instead I don't get it. Um, I, I mean, I'm a good driver. I don't drive it, living in New York anymore very much, but I've been pulled over before speeding, and I knew I was speeding. And, all right, we'll do that later, okay? So to love mercy, when the, when the police officer comes back and says, you were speeding, and I said, yeah, I know it. Sorry. He walks back. He's, you know, he's doing, I know he's filling out the ticket. And he comes back. I rolled my window down, and he said, okay, just don't speed anymore. Go away. It's like, oh, my gosh. I deserve that. I'm so happy. That's, that's a little, little teeny example of mercy. We are to love mercy. Love mercy. Go out of our way. Be intentional. Plan for it. Look for opportunities to be merciful to each other. It's hard to do. It's very hard to do, but it's what God calls us to do. If you want to know what God's interested in. Well, I want to, the last one I want to share, and then I'm going to tell you, uh, have you watch a little video. Um, there's a verse in James chapter 1. And I'm going to say the first part of it, and I'm going to stop and have you think about what might follow. If you know what follows, don't say it out loud, okay? So here's what he says. He says, pure religion that God finds faultless is this. Okay? Listen. Pure religion that God finds faultless is this. Boy, I wonder what God's going to say. Think about it. Now, now, just I want you to think about it for a minute. If this is, if God was up here instead of Craig, and He said, "Listen, I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad you go to church, but let me tell you what I'm really looking for: your quote religion, because I don't think God was really about a religion. But if you're gonna if you're gonna be in some faith, if you're gonna be in Christianity, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I find without fault. And He says two things. Do you know what they are? Right. It's to care for widows and orphans in their distress, and then it says, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, I remember about 20 years ago <clears throat> reading that verse and thinking, in that time of my life, I've never done anything for a widow or anything for an orphan. And yet God's saying, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm a pastor at a large church in Michigan, and I've never done anything. We got a snore here today. We're not sure exactly... I, there's, I want to be merciful. If he was just sleeping, I would, I would show complete mercy. Because sometimes what God wants to give you is a gift of a little nap. Okay? <clears throat> but we don't want him to disturb those around him. So we may, we may have to actually have him sit out in the lobby. But we'll give it a... Yeah, he's gonna, he might get hurt. So we're going to love mercy right now. And, and let him uh, sit out in the lobby, and then he can join us for lunch. Okay? So what, let's find out. I don't want to embarrass him. Anybody know the Jeopardy theme? <laughs> you guys think about as good as Charles. 
<laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. All right, so um, think about that, widows and orphans. So in, in the year 2000, and this is a video I'm going to show you in just a minute. In the year 2000, I got invited to go to India, and I took my daughter, who was 11 years old at the time, with me, and another uh, pastor and his two daughters, and we went there. And what really, it was a time when, it was a time when really a wrecking ball came into my life. It just kind of disrupted everything in my life. And what I discovered was there were a lot of children, a lot of children, a lot of children. In India, every year, 80,000 children go up missing, 80,000 every year. A lot of children that this man had taken in to his home. He had taken 50, 50 children off the streets as young as three years old that were homeless, wandering the streets, in danger. He had taken 50 into his home, and he also had started a school for w women in, in India, often when they're widowed. Uh, they kill themselves. So he'd taken women in off the streets who were widowed, and he started a sewing school for them, embroidery school. And when they finished their training, they were actually given a sewing machine, not like we have, foot pedal, no electricity, but they could set up a business, and they could support themselves and not die. So I actually said, here's James 1 in action. Here's a man who understands that God says, care for the widows and the orphans. Now, I believe those are two examples in, in that day. I think it means care for those who need help. So I made that first trip to India. Well, I started going back every year. Chris and I have gone back. Our kids have all gone. This, this week on Thursday, Chris and I leave for India. It'll be my 22nd trip there. And let me, I'm just going to give you a glimpse in this video of what we've done. But we now have an orphanage with 200 children. We have a school that now has about 25 women in it. Now don't start. I'm not done yet. The best is yet to come. That's all good. We have an elementary school. For children in the neighborhood, over 400 attend. We have an um, elderly home, which is about eight years now, Chris, I think. And when, when people uh, get old there, they're often living with their children who have their own children now, and they make $2 a day and they can't support them. So they will literally take their parents with, with a lot of tears and anguish and push them out of the home to starve to death. So we now have built um, a place for them to come, and they can stay until they die. We care for them. We give them medical care. And then we build a hospital that's uh, bigger than this building we're in right now that's totally free for the poor. That's happened in 20 years through God's power, not, not through anything that I've done except I just show up. So this will be uh, on Thursday, Chris and I and Julie and Raluca, um, two other elders in our church, are going to be going to India. We leave Thursday night. We'll be gone for about nine days. And when we come back, so a week from this coming Sunday, two weeks from today, we'll come back with some fresh video to show you what God did while we were there. But to give you an example of it, I want to show you a video of a trip that was maybe four or five years ago uh, in it. So um, this will give you a little glimpse into what we're going into this week. It's like a storm that cuts a path. It breaks your will. It feels like that. You think you're lost, but you're not lost on your own. You're not alone. I will stand by you. I will help you through. When you've done all you can do, and you can't come. 
I spend out of 365 days of the year, I spend 10 of them in India and I spend 355 days here trying to help people in my own country. So that's my answer to your question. <laughs> and, if, and, and I would say, I'm sorry if that you found that offensive. Right, so let me let me finish my story. Maybe it'll answer your question. So, so when I came, that's okay. Just remember, we're showing mercy. Okay, we love mercy. So, um, the only reason why I believe that there's two reasons why um, I'm in New York City the last 11 years. The first is because I went to India and God wrecked my life. I was callous and uncaring about the poor, as a rule. I would write a check occasionally, but never in proximity with the poor. I went to India and God said things need to change in your life. And it took six or seven years for me to figure it out and listen to him. And then he talked to Chris first and said, you're going to New York City. 
It's like, I've never been to New York City. What am I doing in New York City? So in, in the year 2008, we picked up and moved here with some other folks to try to care for people in our own country. But India is still a part of my life. It's what ignited the spark in me. When I go and spend nine or ten days there, I'll come back here on, on February 23rd more encouraged, more challenged, more fired up, more committed to what I'm doing here. And um, <clears throat> um, and the other, the other thing, I wasn't going to say this, but in light of the question, I'm, I'm going to share this. Um, something else happened to me while I was watching that, that movie. I didn't, usually I put the movie together and edit it, but that year that we went, I didn't do it. The person that did it was a man who came in to the shelter here homeless and an alcoholic. And his name was TJ. And you saw him in this video two or three times. And he, he, um, he cleaned up and he got a job and he went to India with us. And he's a great photographer. He took all those pictures you saw. Now, there's a sad, there's a sad part of the story, and I just want to offer this as a challenge. Um, a few years after that, TJ became my best friend. He actually hung these videos and screens. He, he did a lot when we were, uh, we were changing the building and adding floors. He did a lot to help out as a volunteer. And so a lot of the technology, almost all the technology in the building, he did as a volunteer. He's an amazing person. Um, but he succumbed to alcohol again a couple years later. And, you know, I stood by his side. He went through rehab twice. He just could not beat it. And, and about three years ago, he took his life. And um, so I, I know how important it is what we do here. This is life or death sometimes. In fact, I know one or two of you in here right now. And I'm not going to obviously I'd never call you all, but I know you're right there right now. You're not sure you can beat it, and you're discouraged. I know, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. But that's why we're here. Um, you know, this, I, I'm not getting paid to be here on Sunday. I'm here because this is what we feel this is important. We want to find a way to give you hope. And, you know, when I go to India, I can't fix all their problems. The very last slide in that show was a white hand and a brown hand together. That was my wife, Chris, holding on to a 70-year-old seven, woman's hand. They don't even speak the langu same language. They can't even talk, but she can be by her side so that she's encouraged. Just just presence, just being together, just being with someone. I don't know how to fix almost any of your problems. I hope that the mission provides some help to get you what you need, but um, but you're in a difficult spot, and we just want to be in it with you. That's what we can offer. We can offer Jesus, which is really important. Yeah.